Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I am here with Josh from Catamount Elite Fitness in North Carolina. What's up, Josh? How are you today? Good morning. I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Alrighty. Let's just jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to open your own facility or own your own facility? Besides just being crazy in general, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> start, start your own gym business. Um, yes. <laughs> well, uh, when I first started uh, with CrossFit in, in particular, I'd been doing all kinds of you know, just normal gym stuff for years and years and years and got bored. Um, so I started doing some CrossFit stuff. There was absolutely nowhere to do uh, the workouts. Um, there was inadequate equipment and space and all those things in my tiny little town. Um, so after doing that for a couple of years and working into, you know, certifications and what am I doing? How am I doing all this? I uh, just finally decided that I needed to start my own gym so that we had a place to do the workouts and have the correct equipment and stuff. So uh, that was really the the start of it. And, you know, off we go into figuring out how to make that dream actually happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. So basically it came from a lack of having a place that you would want to work out in, in your small town. So then that kind of sparked the idea for you to provide that for your town. Um, so as far as your business model goes now, so are you still doing CrossFit? And then around that, are you doing group open memberships, one-on-ones? How do you structure things within your facility? So right now we're doing CrossFit classes. Uh, we are a CrossFit affiliate. Um, we're doing those most hours of the day and then in between we're offering open gym so folks can come in and do their own thing throughout the day um we kind of quit doing one-on-one you know, -on -one training and stuff it it comes up from time to time but we don't advertise it really anymore uh it doesn't really fit with our demographics so uh classes and open gym are where it's at nowadays especially with the you know covid world mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. So the one-on-ones, you stopped doing them. You said it doesn't really fit the demographic. There's really just not like a, a want or a need for it you found, or was it more from like a business standpoint that it really didn't make sense? Uh, a little bit of both, I guess. I mean, yeah. uh, we're not in a high, uh, we're not in a climate with a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. Um, we're very rural. So there's not a lot of uh, money coming in from clients for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the, the business goes, it's myself and throughout the year, one or two other trainers. So we're, you know, very small staff um, and the, just the workload uh, gets to be a lot sometimes. So personal training yeah. on top of that was really hampering my ability uh, to do my job and keep things running on the backside as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So is it mostly you doing the training currently and then you have staff members that kind of help out here and there? That's what it sounds like. Is that correct? 
Yep, owner operator. Um, most of the time, <laughs> I've got a, a few uh, who come in and out over the years. I've had some really good staff come in and help me. Um, there's some at the gym right now doing a really great job uh, while I'm on, we'll call it vacation here in Texas. For the week. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, so now you you said you're in a very rural area. So it sounds like there there aren't too many people as far as population goes within your town. So do you also offer online training at all? Is that something that you do? We haven't offered that. Um, one of the issues with our space, our, our rural community is lack of internet. I mean, we, yeah. we have very spotty internet to say the least. And, you know, it's, it's hard to offer something like that when you can't guarantee that it's going to work every day or every week. And it doesn't really fit with um, how we can actually provide a constant service and it'd be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So as far as your membership base goes currently, how many members are you serving? We float around a hundred, um, which is, um, pretty good over the years. We've, grown consistently and then COVID hit, you know, we took a, a bump like everybody else did, but at the end of the year when restrictions opened back up, we were able to go back up um, pretty quickly to our original numbers. And then we even uh, surpassed those for quite a while. I think these mm -hmm. people wanted to get back out and get into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It came to a point where people were just ready to get back into the gym. So as far as growing that membership base, how have you done that over the years? And then how are you doing that currently? Are you doing, is it mostly organic word of mouth referrals? Uh, or are we doing any type of paid advertising? How does that look? <laughs> well, um, I did everything wrong for years. <laughs> um, we started out doing whatever uh, we could to try to drum up business in that little area. We did, you know, newspaper ads, we did some billboards, we did some, you know, sticking flyers on poles and everything else. Um, originally to try to drum it up, we did email campaigns and all that stuff. But um, really the one thing that has done it is just word of mouth. Like, yeah we have really succeeded with just client retention and those folks just keep bringing me more folks. So I'm not even spending money on you know, social media platforms or any of that stuff anymore, mm -hmm. just because it didn't seem to, to do anything in our area. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you've got a uh, spotty internet, it's probably not the most effective way to advertise. Um, so as far as retention goes, if you've got really good retention, what are some of the things that you do to keep those clients longer? A lot of times CrossFit communities, a, a lot of times are based a lot on the community. You know, they're very, a lot of times very close knit, um, tend to have really great communities within the facility itself. So how are you able to retain these clients for a long period of time? What would you say something is that really plays into being able to do that? 
I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it is the community aspect of it. Um, we, we try to make it a very safe um, and fun space for everybody to be in and you know, allowing people to just be themselves and enjoy themselves and have a good time um, in that space has really helped out just people really like being there they've made friends in the gym they all come together they do their own things together outside of the gym so mm -hmm. that community aspect is really important in our gym absolutely yeah they develop relationships with people in the gym they become friends it becomes a really great community and people want to be a part of something so that certainly helps as far as retention goes so over the next six months to a year or so what specifically are you focused on within the business are there um, any specific goals that you're looking to achieve or um i don't really have any goals um, set right now for you know membership or anything like that um last year was a reflecting point i think for for everyone um, yeah there was a lot of work done in the gym we were closed down for months i did a lot of renovation and changing things up got my hands on as much equipment and stuff as i could uh, not only to rent out to the members who were continuing to pay um, during that time but to just help revamp the gym so that it would be just so much better when everybody came back and that was really my goal, like getting all that stuff done and put together. Um, it all happened, I, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff happened. Um, and this year, really looking forward, being on the backside of things more and just becoming more efficient now that my space is complete. Um, I think that's probably my goal if there's anything. It's just really dialing the numbers and making sure this business is flowing correctly uh going forward yeah for sure that's something that uh is easily lost along the way because especially for somebody like you who is on the floor a lot you know you're doing a lot of the training aspect of things so it it's hard to balance running the business as well as doing most of the training that's happening within the facility so um a lot of times that's something that owners struggle with is being able to balance the two because a lot of times you know they're on the floor from 4 a.m to 8 p.m and then the last thing that you want to do the end of the day is sit down and look at the numbers and you know look at where we're going and what growth looks like and you know how many people are we trying to get in the door this month and you know it becomes overwhelming a lot of the time and then people just kind of push it to the side and don't really pay attention to it and just kind of let things flow. And if the doors stay open, then good. So uh, yeah, that's something that a lot of gym owners are struggling with. And especially right now coming off of the last year, year and a half or so, a lot of owners are by themselves right now because they don't have staff. Um, you know, they either lost staff or they had to uh let staff go or you know whatever it might be or they're just not in a position right now to be able to support having staff so they're doing everything so uh that is a common theme right now 
Yeah, I've been riding that train for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not even just uh, post COVID. That's just uh, a normal, a normal gym owner kind of thing. Yep, that's just wake up and hustle every day and get it all done. It's always right. been like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, along those lines, one thing that I always like to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing in your business right now today what would that be and why that would be um having staff yeah <laughs> like really good dependable staff that would be amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean they're so hard to find and that's not just in the fitness industry i think that that's something that's people are experiencing across the board but yeah that is uh i think one of the number one limiting factors as far as growth goes just because you know you can't find the right people to put in the right places and then you can't delegate so everything is always on your plate and then you're not able to ever step back a little bit enough anyway to actually focus on the business side of things and what's coming next because you're always just focused on today getting through the day making sure that you're serving your clients in the best way possible and then uh, just moving on to the next day I absolutely agree on that one. Um, it, it is hard to find people, period. I don't care what business you own or what you're doing in your life, but right now it's it's really hard to find people. And uh, even when you do, you got to be able to keep them around and you know make sure that they're happy and staying on board for as long as possible. And unfortunately, where we are, you know, we're very rural. We're next to a college town. But those kids are in and out all the time. So, you know, them keeping jobs and holding jobs and it's just uh, it changes so much that it, it's not worth sometimes uh, the effort to find those people and have them for six months and train them and then poof, they're gone again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It does take in a lot of cases, it does take a little bit of time to actually get them trained. And then by the time you do, it's like they're already gone. It's such a high turnover rate. And that was something that I experienced when I was working in the gym on a daily basis. It was like we would get, you know, hire three or four people at a time. And then two of them are gone in a week. And then one of them gets through three months of training and then can only stay for six months. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, you're constantly having to hire people and train people and it just never ends. And the feeling is it's horrible that it's like, well, I might as well just do it by myself instead exactly. of having to take that effort. But you know, it does take away from me being able to do stuff on the back end, like sit back and, and look at numbers and, and plan out, uh, some kind of email campaign or whatever. It just, it really does take away from those things. And that is just part of the, part of the deal, I guess, but you know, it's mm -hmm. very frustrating sometimes to not be able to sit back and do the things you need to do, even though you know, you got to do them. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I can definitely relate to that. I, I don't know how many times I, I would just say, I'll just do it myself because, you know, obviously you can, rely on the fact that if you're doing it yourself, then it's going to get done the way you want it to be done. And then 
you don't have anybody to really help you anyway. And then the other side of that is sometimes when you do have somebody to help you, it's really hard to let go of some of the control and allow other people to do some of the things within your business because I always looked at everything as such a direct reflection of me and I set the standards so high and it was like, <laughs> it was just easier for me to just do it myself than to ask somebody to perform at that level. You know, and I always expected that everything would be done at a certain level. And it was really hard for me to accept that maybe those tasks wouldn't be done at that level. And it was like, well, nope, I'll just do it because I want it done the way that I want it done. And <laughs> it was very hard to let go of that control. So uh, that's another aspect that I think a lot of other gym owners can relate to because we tend to have the same types of personalities in that regard <laughs> agreed and we do set high standards and i mean sometimes we're punching ourselves in the face by doing it but i mean what mm -hmm. do you do when that's how you operate that's it. right yeah exactly and i never i would never ask anybody to do anything that i didn't do myself you know it was like and that was another aspect of it it was like okay well i'm setting these super high standards and I'm expecting everybody else to perform at this level. So I better make sure that I'm performing at that level. So, you know, it was like everything had to be, I had to be the best at everything to show them that it was possible, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it was right. like, even through sales training and, uh, you know, teaching people how to sell memberships, because at the end of the day, it is a business. Um, you know, I had to have the best signing percentage because I couldn't ask them to go in and make a sale if I couldn't do it myself, you know? So it's like, among all of the other things that you're trying to focus on, you got to make sure that you're doing everything at the highest level. So <laughs> it's a lot for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Nice well, I mean, it's it rewarding, right? That's why we do it. We Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, and you know, obviously, those making those sales translates into people actually reaching their goals. So that's the rewarding part. That's the part that really keeps you going is seeing people completely change their lives, you know, lose 40 pounds, feel more confident, have more energy, sleep better. It just, it translates into every other aspect of these people's lives. And that is the thing that is so crazy and so rewarding to see on a daily basis. So that's definitely the driving force behind it all. All righty, so let's see. Um, Touching back, I wanted to, I meant to ask you about this a little bit before. So the way that you structure your memberships. So you have a couple of different services that you offer. Nothing too crazy. Obviously the group training, the open membership, uh, but can people do both things? Can they do an open membership and then come in for group classes when they want? How does that work? How do you structure that? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the memberships, the way we have them structured, there's, basically an unlimited plan. You can do whatever you want to, whenever you want to. Mm -hmm. um, and that does include both. Uh, there's a, a, a lower tier of the same thing where you get a certain amount of classes per week and a certain amount of open gyms per week. Use them how you want them. Um, and then the open gym is just straight up open gym membership. People can come in and do whatever they want to uh, on the hours in between classes. Um, and they can also, if they chose to take a class, they can just pay a, you know, a drop-in fee, if you will. Okay. Uh, 
join a class. So basically it flows in all directions, just the bottom tier up. Of course, you have to add a little bit of payment to it to come to a class. Right. Of course. And then are you on month to month agreements or do you do six months, 12 months, three months? How does that work? Um, mostly it's month to month. Um, mo the, the folks who've been with me the longest, a lot of them are on six month or year plans. Mm -hmm. They know they're coming. They're happy to pay ahead of time uh, for the entire year. You know, of course, I'll give them a break on, on price and stuff. But right. most of the membership is month to month, um, again, with really good retention. So I don't have to worry about those numbers changing too much. Right. That's the, that was, I mean, we had talked about your retention before. Um, so, I mean, that's something that sometimes people run into on the month to month memberships is that it becomes hard to track. Sometimes if you don't have really great retention, then it's hard to predict what your monthly revenue is going to look like because there's no commitment really there. Right. Um, so it can definitely make things harder to track. So if you're going to have those month to month memberships, making sure that you're, you know, doing everything that you can to make sure that you're retaining those clients is certainly helpful because otherwise it's very hard to track on a month to month basis. Absolutely. And we didn't even mess around with the open gym thing that much. Um, that's kind of become more popular, I guess, since COVID, um, the way yeah. we set the gym up during that time, you know, we taped off spaces for people to use individually and gave them their own cleaning equipment and those things. And a lot of gyms in the area, especially at the, at the college down the street, they weren't doing that. Yeah. So people didn't have anywhere to go. They found us and gave them a place to, to come in. And, you know, now we've still got quite a few of those folks too, but right. most of them yeah. stay on the open gym membership. Totally fine. More bodies in the door. Yeah, absolutely. And are you open seven days a week, six days a week, five days? How does that work? Yeah, we're doing seven days a week now. We, uh, okay. we provide programming um, on the app. Everyone in the gym uses if they want to, um, or they can do their own stuff, but everybody's provided that with all levels of membership. So even if they're doing open gym, they're not doing the classes, they still get uh, programming and they can choose to do whatever they want to, whenever they want to. Um, and the gym... For the most part is open 24 7 we put a uh, security system in and doors and all those things to open whenever so uh that that helped us with with bringing some bodies in the door too definitely that's cool i've heard that a couple of times pretty recently from different gym owners that they have an app that um the members can find their programming through and when they come in so that they always have programming Cause that's a huge thing. A lot of times people, when they come in the gym, they get there and then they don't know what to do. So I'm sure that that's super helpful. So are those programs that you write individually beforehand and like upload them to the app and then they can kind of select whatever they want or are they on individualized programs? How does that work? Uh, well, I used to write all my programming that uh, became exhausting yeah. <laughs> after years yeah. of doing That's it. That's why I asked. Yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You lose a lot of time doing that. Um, yeah. no, we pay for a service now. Um, we've been through several different, uh, you know, programs over the years from different gym owners and, you know, games athletes and, you know, just different 
different sources, but yeah, it's, it's so much better to pay for it and offer it to the members. Um, right. The stuff we're offering has multiple levels to it. So you can do it, you know, at home stuff or, you know, body weight or look, you know, small amounts of equipment or whatever. Mm -hmm. And people love that. Like they don't want to work out super hard today. They're just going to do the body weight version in the parking lot. Cool. Right. Whatever. Still here, you know, enjoying the gym, which is what they want. So exactly. Yeah. Provides a lot of versatility for your clients, depending on what they want to do for that day. Um, all right. So if you could provide one piece of advice to somebody who's thinking about opening a gym, what would that be? Don't do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's um, what I say too. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just, you know, before you start, run the numbers. Yes. And then run them again. And then, you know, worst case scenario, imagine that's all going to go wrong and then run the numbers again. Yes. 100%. <laughs> and if you're okay, then, then you can start. <laughs> exactly. And have some money in the bank just yeah. in case things go wrong as well. That was a huge one. Somebody was talking about the other day. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about doing the napkin math, you know, it's always like everybody starts a gym and they're like, well, you know, if I have X amount of clients and they're paying X amount of dollars per month, perfect. I'm going to make, I'm going to be making $20,000 a month. And it's like, and then they open their doors, you know, and then, oh, lo and behold, they're not making $20,000 a month, but their overhead is eight or $10,000 a month. And now they don't have the membership base to support that. Um, and it becomes very rough, very quick. Uh, so I think that, yeah, I mean, a lot of times people start gyms because they're doing personal training. They start to gain a lot of clients and their clients are like, Hey, you should open a gym. And then it's like, okay, you know, and a lot of times they really don't think about the business side of things. It's not something that's like really on your mind at the beginning. You know, you think I can do this. Uh, and then these things kind of just slap you in the face when you open the doors. So. Right. Suddenly you're, uh, you know, all your money's gone every month and you're living off of 500 bucks and trying to figure out what you're going to eat. For the rest exactly. Of the week. <laughs> but you're working, you know, 60, 70, 80 or more hours a week. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, you're putting in a lot of time and, and not really getting, I didn't get anything out of it for years. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I was fortunate that I was able to start out small and just keep building as I went. Um, had I gone into this thinking, oh yeah, I can get all this equipment and have all this space and there's no way it would have lasted. Right. I started really small and just have over the years, every single year, constantly put money back into the business to buy more equipment and, you know, make the space better and all that stuff. So, you know, reinvestment has been a huge deal uh, for me. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep the business going. Absolutely. Yeah. Starting small. That's another great tip. Um, a lot of people start in their garage and then work their way up to owning an actual facility uh, just because, you know, obviously it keeps the overhead very low. Um, but yeah, a lot of times you see people 
opening a gym and they're just going for a large space and all the shiniest, newest equipment. And it's super tempting, of course, but mm -hmm. uh, yep. it puts you in a, a bad spot very often. So definitely some good. Yeah, if you, if you want to eat every month and <laughs> you know, make sure your things are done, yeah, run the numbers yeah. and make sure you're starting small enough to, to play. Yes, absolutely. All righty. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, well, we are, our, of course, our website is uh, catamounteliefitness.com. Uh, um, we have Instagram and Facebook stuff as well under Catamount CrossFit and Catamount Elite Fitness. Um, so there's plenty of stuff on there to, to look at. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. It's been great having you on the show today. Thank you very much for your time. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Awesome. All righty. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, make sure you keep killing it and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Anytime Fitness in Claremont, Florida, Mr. Brad Ryle. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dominic. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Excited to hop into this, talk about your business, your history. So, Let's start at the business itself. What is your Anytime location all about? So our Anytime Fitness is located in Claremont. It's about 30 miles outside of Orlando uh, westbound. So it's a great location. The Claremont's growing like crazy all the time. So it's a good place for the population and for the demographic. So our Anytime Fitness here, we've been really focused on probably about the last five to six years on three things. It's the fitness aspect, which everybody goes to a gym, they want to work out. Um, but we honestly believe as fitness pros that most of our members, they just don't know what they don't know. And that's okay. Then the second pillar is going to be the food pillar because most of the time when people start exercising or go to a gym, they start eating better. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a good thing. However, the third pillar is typically missing. It's the accountability pillar. And that's the most important pillar of our program. It keeps it's the glue. Right. So when things get tough and they're going to get tough because this is the hardest thing that the human body can ever do is achieve some type of fitness level and then actually maintain it in their life cycle. That's the accountability. It's it's big. I mean, it's huge. Now, we also understand that things happen, and that's okay. We just move forward, right? Some, I, Brad loves barbecue. <laughs> so if I have barbecue on a Sunday, then I just move forward on Monday. It's okay. I think the food thing is 
the food is the hardest one. It always is, it always will be. So we have a six week challenge and then we also offer after the six week challenge to our clients to go into what's called the year of change or lifestyle, which is a great program. It really helps them actually start changing the shape of their body, not only externally, but also internally, which is a very good thing. Um, we also do have, you know, our general members, Dan, Stan, and Jan, which are great. We love those people. Um, but we really want them to have a profound impact on their wellness. And we know that a lot of times our general population member, they don't really have a game plan. They don't really know the science behind how to get the human body to a really good wellness point and maintain it. Um, and I believe that that's because most people who go to a gym or something online, they're looking for a weight loss journey. And I feel in my professional opinion that those don't work. And that's really what I focus on at the club here. And we do have members who just come in and work out. They use the convenience thing and that's great. It's awesome. I give them a high five too. Yeah. And that, that was really, that was going to be uh, my summary there is if people want to come in for the general access and just do their own thing, and I don't know, work, maybe they have an online trainer and maybe they just watch YouTube videos or it could be somebody that's been training a long time and, and just moved to the area needs a spot. They're welcome. But you feel like your biggest impact is on having real conversations with people about real long-term goals and how they can, they can reach them with a little bit of help or a lot of help, depending on where they are in their journey. Yeah, they have to have, <clears throat> like when I meet someone, I'll basically tell them, you know, you know, of course, greet them and build some rapport. And once I've done that and I, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for their tonality. I'm looking for body language. I'm looking for um, their attitude. And I'm looking for the sense of humor too, right? Because, you know, anytime I wrote a book a long time ago, working out sucks. And it does. Like it's, it's very tedious and it's kind of boring. And we as humans would rather not do it, right? But the serious conversation as a fitness pro or a fitness coach or whatever individual calls themselves, that serious conversation, it, it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Because here's the thing. As a fitness coach, you have to be 100% honest. And sometimes that stings the person sitting across from you a little bit. But I know that it's necessary because the friends and the family and the spouse and the significant others that we surround ourselves with and we love and they love us, they're not always 100% honest. You know, and it needs to be said. And, the, and most, a lot of people that we meet in this industry, it's, they typically, it's three reasons why they come join a gym. One, they just, they want to have a gym. They want to have a gym to go to, right? The other one is kind of like, it's, it's, the, it's almost like the yo-yoers. They keep going down this weight loss journey and then they stop, something happens and then they just stop, whether it's they go on vacation or it's too expensive at some point, whatever the case might be. And then there's what I call the medical induced memberships. I just went to see my doctor. He says, I need to lose some weight. I don't know what to do. I know walking is not enough. You know, that's kind of what I feel like the three categories of demographics are members of and any, really any fitness gym or gym or whatever you want to say. 
Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be able to identify who your clients are if you want to be able to, to serve them the best way. So yeah, we have to get to know them. Yeah. Um, let's, before we go forward, I want to get a little bit of a background, you know, 12 years almost in the game. Um, some people say gym owner years are like dog years. So it could seem like 60 or 70 at this point, but give me a little bit of background. Obviously we can't hit every detail of the last 11 plus years, but yeah. Uh, what, what got you into the business, you know, and, and have there been many major inflection points or, or changes in the way that you've run it or seen the business in the time you've been in it? Um, obviously when starting a gym or any business, the first thing is to get to a break even point and then to get above it. Otherwise yeah. it's just a crummy job, right? So my background previous to this, I worked for Snap-on Tools and then okay. I had a Snap-on Tool truck. Previous to that life, I was in the culinary world. Um, so I, I was in the Navy as a cook for five years and then I, I went to the Culinary Institute of America and then I cooked professionally for about 15 years. And I got very unhealthy. Um, hypertension, you know, high blood pressure, all these different things. Um, I had kidney stones, which were horrible, drinking Coca-Cola all day long, getting that rush for the service, right? Um, so things had to change and I had the opportunity, you know, we were about to have our first child and we really did some research and we were members at it any time. And my wife and I just pulled the plug on it and opened this one up, had no idea what to do, right? All I know is I got to get the break even as fast as possible. And I would look at Dominic walking through the door and I go, great, I need 400 more of him. Um, so the first two years was kind of like a big time struggle, of course, to try to get to break even as possible. You have peaks and valleys in it. Um, of course, raising a new family too, which is a definite struggle. Um, kind of feel like you're just in a haze all the time. But probably after the third year, I got some good staff. And that's always been a struggle for this club is to have really good staff. And honestly, I think it reflects on the owner too. Um, but then we got some really good staff and the business definitely went up. Some of the staff left, the business goes down. So there's peaks and valleys. I'm the type of person where if, if I coach you how to do it a couple of times and you're not picking it up, I'm just going to do it for you because I don't have the time to do that. And I'm not going to pay you triple. You know, um, and then that brings us up to, you know, pre maybe two years, COVID, three years, COVID, right? Everything's going pretty good. There's changes, of course, trainers come and go. You have people go with trainers and things like that. It happens. It is what it is. So then I started really getting into the coaching aspect of it where, you know, we're still going to have our base membership where can people can come and go. And, and we had some couple salt and peppers with one-on-one. -on -one. And the coaching, though, if, if we can give somebody a plan for 30 days where then they come in and they don't even have to guess anymore, they have an actual map of what to do. And we've already walked them through that. And we've done a, a strength test on there or a test for that day. And then it's progressional every week. So once they get through weeks one through four and they've done a check in two times every two weeks, then we release weeks five through eight. And then we still do two week check-ins on week six and then the final check-in. 
But typically on every exercise, whether it's strength or fitness or functional, they should be 30% stronger or 30% fitter in that movement in eight weeks. And that's when we really started seeing, you know, like our members, our coaching members, they were really changing the shape of their bodies, like really changing it, right? Like it comes beach time here and they're like, I'm going, I'm ready. <laughs> like oh, last year I was I'm like, no, I'll wear, I'll wear a tank top this year, right? And then if I go in the beach, I'm going to go all the way up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then it was being able to take those coaching plans and take them over like to the younger people with ego and basically saying to them, Hey, Dominic, when's the last time you significantly increased your bench press or deadlift in eight weeks by 30%. And every single one of them go, what, <laughs> what do you mean? And I would try to get them onto the program. Some people would get onto the program, but then they start changing the protocol. And they're just trying to reinvent the wheel, you know? It's like when you have a one-on-one -on -one client and they're like, oh, I can do those push-ups." Well, yeah, but can you do them slow and stay time under tension? And, you know, it's not about how many you can do, it's how many you can do right and keeping under time under tension. Um, definitely the biggest demographic for us in this area is gonna be seniors. That's, that's my favorite demographic to work with for multiple different reasons. So after that coaching started implementing, then we built up staff again, got the coaching rolling, um, really good program, really, really good. Then I had a couple of trainers that didn't like it. And I was just like, look, I'm, I'm handling 65 clients on coaching. I meet with them every two weeks. How many clients you got? And they're like, well, four or five. I'm like, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the trainer talking to the owner and they don't understand all the different aspects of it. Right. They just trainers typically like there's floor trainers and there's coaches and there's, there's they're good trainers because we need everybody, but they don't understand overhead. They don't understand percentages and shows and those type of things. They just want to get out on the floor and train. Um, but my coaches, I want them to know the aspect, the whole circle. I want them to know the why doesn't mean that they're even going to train, but I want them to know why, and I want them to know how. So that way their opportunity, when they have it, they're ready to go a hundred percent and they're not hesitant, you know, they have all that knowledge and experience will come. So then pre COVID, um, you know, doing pretty good. Like I said, we're about 620 members green, everything's rolling pretty good. And then, you know, of course it happened, took everybody on a whirlwind. It wasn't really during the shutdown. It was more the effects 12, 14, 18 months after that. People just, you know, the different variants and the different misinformation and stuff like that, whatever, you know, opinions vary, which is fine. Um, I think that had the biggest effect on the gym industry. And I think that's why, you know, the hybrid or the online really shot off like a rocket, which is good. You know, I think that with the shutdown, a lot of times, I think we were fortunate here in Florida it was only 60 days, maybe a little bit longer, but a lot of places it was a lot longer. And that has a lot to do with mental health. You know, physical fitness is a good thing for mental health, you know, because in our life, stress doesn't go away. It impounds or compounds 
But if we're exercising and we're healthy and we're chasing true wellness, we just manage the stress better. You know, it doesn't affect us so much on our mental health. So that's kind of what I try to talk with people about is, you know, fitness is only one aspect. The gym is only one aspect. If you're coming three times a week, that's three hours a week. What are you doing the other 161 hours? You know, are you eating right? You know, um, that's a big thing with food for me is I know, and, and I'm not perfect. I'm not telling anybody I'm perfect. I'm like that 80, 20 person. Um, because I believe that's being realistic. If, if you're going to be hundred percent, you're going to be a high performance athlete, a bodybuilder, an Olympian, something like that. That's not, I mean, we love those people, but that's not really our base, our core members. It's just everyday people, people who have kids, people who work, people who have all these different life stresses and things like that. And they want to get healthier, but they don't really know how to do it. You know, they don't like, they always want, like it's said all the time is they want to get there, but they don't want to go through getting there. Right. They don't want to put the time in, you know, um, but that's okay. That's what we try to teach people here is, you know, got to have a science-based plan at least something that makes sense, push, pull, something like that. Right. You got to change your load up every once in a while. Otherwise you're going to hit a plateau. Right. And it doesn't have to be like 195,000 pounds. It can be 25 to 35. It's not a big deal. Um, and then the food thing, that's the biggest thing. I mean, most trainers and fitness pros that I meet, they say it's 80%. I say it's 90. Probably closer you know, to that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, I've done it when I had COVID. I was like, the first week I was like, nope, I'm sticking with my food plan. And then after that, it went to crap. But <laughs> And I didn't lose, I didn't gain that much body fat. Now the second week, yeah. But the first week I was just pretty much all lean protein and it was maintained. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. We wanna help people and we have to be honest with them. Cause I know that the doctors aren't honest. It's not that they're dishonest. It's just that they have a, certification and they took an oath right so they typically have to prescribe something and a lot of times those prescriptions is a band-aid yeah it's it's definitely different coming from them you know we we get to be on the preventive side and they have to be on the reactive side but also they know what people's compliance is and you know in fitness we sometimes struggle with um compliance and i've seen some studies where people will legitimately you know, the, the compliance with people taking life-saving medications for, for acute issues is nowhere near what you think it would be. So it's, it's a different struggle, but so we get a good idea of the background and how we got to where you are. I want to talk about a few operational things, um, okay. how, you, how you're a little bit different than what most people think of with an access club and, and how you approach it. Uh, my, my first question is, uh, you're in the gym right now. How often are you in the gym on a regular basis? Because I think with, with these access type gyms, and I'm not saying just anytime, you really get two stratifications. You either have owners who are never there or owners that are always there. So what bucket do you fall in there? And has it always been that way? I am not always here, but I'm always here, right? In my yeah. brain. Um, typically though, I'm here Monday through Friday. 
you know, I have a PM coach and he's really, really good. And I have a hundred percent confident in him, you know, operating the club when I'm not here. Now there's still things that he needs to do. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, but I, I mean, I, I live pretty close to the club and when I drive by, I'm like, ah, oh, should I go? Nope. Coach is there. Don't worry about it. He's got it. And he does, he does. And he'll text me if he has a question and he's, he, he very rarely texts me, but he does. He texts me. If he to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I try to be here. I want to be here. That's the one thing I think the difference that how I like, I, I try to be different. It's like, I want to talk to Barbara and Mr. Malcolm. I want to see them getting stronger. I want to see them losing body fat. I want to see them getting off medications. Um, but, you know, there's other owners of franchises and 24s or whatever that they want to run their clubs with spreadsheets. And that's fine, too. You know, it's just a different, different philosophy like I have a culinary background and there's a chef, Eric Repair, who has a restaurant in Manhattan, La Bernadette, and it's a three-star Michelin restaurant. And people ask him, chef, when are you going to open a restaurant? Another one, he goes, I never will. It's too much. <laughs> never going to happen. Different, different ways to look at it. So with you yeah, it's there a lot, um, as far as some of the things that you're executing there, are you the primary point of contact for new new members, are you doing most or all of the onboarding consultations? In the AM, yes, uh, sir. Okay. Yeah. In the AM, yes. And then I have my PM coach, he's in at two. Mm -hmm. And then we do a quick turnover. And then he takes over those, any of the onboardings. So you you have him and he's he's trained up. He, he basically, no one is ever going to be the same as the owner, but somebody that you feel confident in as far as you know, if if Joe or Bob or Mary walks in, they're going to get generally the same experiences if they if they met you. Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest thing with mentoring is this is like if you're going to mentor somebody, the ultimate goal to be, should be to make them better than you. One, one otherwise, what's the, otherwise, what's the point? Right. I mean, it's like. I, I don't I don't always want to be here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have kids and, you know, wife and stuff like that. I, I, but I feel like I, I feel like I don't need to always be here, but I want to, you know, but it's one of those things where he, he has it, he has the operational skills and yeah, of course he's not going to be like the owner, but I think sometimes owners get in their own way as well. And that's a big thing for me. It's like, you got to let your team soar. You got to let them, you got to let them see that you trust them that you have that confidence in them, you know, that, Hey, look, I trained you the best way I could. Do you have any questions and anything? There's still going to be more training, but you got this category. Now you need to go apply it. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that you are a firm believer in is uh, executing, you know, your three pillar approach, providing clients who are there for coaching help, with you know fitness training with food and nutrition help with accountability um and that's that's kind of the direction of the gym i think uh we talked a little bit off air anytime fitness is going more in that direction but you threw out a number earlier that i don't know if it was at one point or if it was if it's recent that you yourself would manage up to 65 clients how do you give all of those layers all of those pillars to that many people 
all at once. Are you leveraging technology? Are you using apps? Are you manually, you know, using Google Sheets and email? Like, how do you, because that number is going to, would probably blow most trainers' minds who are sitting there <laughs> like, hey, I've got five to 10 clients. Wow, I'm busy. Well, the first thing that they have to understand is that it's not one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. That particular number didn't come from one-on-one -on -one client. That came from coaching clients, right? Mm -hmm. So the coaching part are this program, and it was definitely tech heavy, right? It was definitely a program from one of my friends or who I was turned on to definitely was a program that he created, okay? But it's basically giving somebody a roadmap, right? They come in, this is their goal. This is what they've done. This is what type of foods they eat, whether, you know, those type of things. Great. Do you have any limitations? So the, you know, the basic park cue stuff, right? Then we basically go out on the floor, right? And to, to kind of like dumb it down almost because it's not one-on-one, -on -one, it's coaching. It's basically taking somebody to like the chest press machine, right? And setting them down because most trainers will sit down first and then show them how to do it. That's not what coaching is. Coaching is coaching them through it, right? If they need a demo, yeah, that's fine. But sit them down, put their limbs in the proper alignment, right? Making sure that there's very minimal or no load whatsoever. Making sure that all the joints and the ligaments work properly. There's no dependencies. Making sure that their breathing is right, because that's a big thing, honestly. Like a lot of people don't understand the breathing effect. Um, and it's hard to coach that. It's really even harder to train it. And then once their form is good, now we do an immediate max test and they don't understand this at all. So most trainers, typically what I've seen is they'll do like, you know, like a seven, four, seven, it's seven reps with the moderate weight, then four heavy, and then seven with the moderate weight again, or they'll do a, a pyramid or something like that. And then they go up in weight because the, typically the philosophy is I need to warm up the joints and ligaments, which, yes, that's true, but I also need to warm up the muscle. No, you don't need to warm up the muscle to get the max, right? So if we're going, you know, four or five, you know, let's get the muscles warmed up and then let's put the weight that you're never going to lift on the stack and you trying to push it one time, you know, properly safely and you can't do it that's fine we just decrease the load until you can that's it as opposed to going down the stack let's start you at i don't want to start you something that's going to injure you right i know i did the park you so i start at 45 or the worst thing that i've seen trainers do is like hey what do you usually bench press <laughs> right what do you bench <laughs> right so they go and they go they start you know well i don't i don't he might bench press that, but let me kind of put my brain into it. But once they get to the max, they've never really maxed anyways, because they've fatigued the muscle group. Um, so the coaching is that, and then they have a roadmap where they know what to do every single time they come into the club. They know what seat setting to put the chest press on, how many repetitions I need to do, how many sets and what the weight is that day. And once they've completed that exercise, they check a check mark off. It's, account, it's the accountability box, right? Then they move on to the next exercise. 
And by the time they're done, they have a whole completed science-based workout finished that day. So what happened with the way I was able to manage so many members or clients, right? Because 65, it's a big number. And if you tell somebody like who's a one-on-one -on -one trainer, they're like, there's no way, dude, you were like working a hundred hours. Like, no, like, I was working maybe 20 doing that. It's really simple because the setup is the most tedious part, but then you're just checking in every two weeks. Hey, Dominic, how's the fitness going? You got your card? Yeah. Okay, cool. I see that you're checking it off. Good. That's everything. All the accountability boxes are good. You got any questions with the fitness part? Nah, man, it's, it's doing really good. I like it a lot. Cool. How's your food going? Because they get a food plan with it too. Oh, uh, no. I'm like, okay, so we need to work on it, right? Yeah, we need to work on it. Great. So the accountability part is that you've been showing up. That's great. The other accountability part is that we know that we need to work on the food and that's okay. And that's coaching, right? A lot of trainers... Like I had pushback when I first bought the program on because I went to a seminar and there was a trainer who got up with the own. He goes, I had the total, he goes, I had 24 clients, one-on-one. -on -one. I was crushing it. He's, he leaned in later and he goes, I have 185 clients now. Wow. Because I adopted the coaching aspect with that software. And he goes, I was real hesitant and real like bull-nosed about you're going to, it's going to affect my clients. It's going to affect my bottom line which the, he was a good trainer because he knew his numbers, right? He wanted to make sure that the bottom line was there, not only for him, but also for the club. And he said, but I trusted the owner. And the owner says, we're doing this. And he goes, ah, but fast forward a year, 18 months later, he goes, I got 160 clients that I manage. Yeah. And, and a lot, you know, the hands start, start raising in the session. Like the trainers are like, well, how do you do that? And he goes, I see my coaching clients on a set schedule, right? Every two weeks. And, and I see them for about two to three minutes and that's it. And they're done. And that's how it goes. So yeah, there was struggles with that coaching because here's what happens with it is, is that the member starts to train the coach now, right? Well, what if we added that? What if I did that? Well, I don't like the barbell curl anymore. So I did 21s like, well, you changed the program. <laughs> that's okay. It's your program. So what I really started to do was kind of, somebody said to me in one of these things, it was like, the problem with the U.S. is that we treat fitness like a blister. We have to start treating it like a callus. Everybody knows you should exercise a workout three times a week. You don't do it. That's why it's a cap. That's why it's a blister, right? They go in, you know, I had this stat from one of my franchise coaches one time and, and they said to me the best member is going to come to your club about two to six times a month and i go what are you talking about i want them in the club a minimum 12 times a month that's three times a week well yeah but I'm like what are you talking about i just I was baffled so that was a blister right I want the callus for them so the biggest thing was even with the one-on-one -on -one and with the coaching is that we have to make sure we have that serious conversation because with all these different exercises of the day or splits or whatever, right? Even in the coaching thing, people will start dropping off because the accountability is not that high, really. It has a lot of self-accountability to it. Like I have a plan, I have a food plan, right? But I still have to get my butt in there three times a week because I only see my coach every two weeks. And I know on 14 days, if I go, oh, I have a couple boxes missed off, he's probably going to go, why are they missing? Not me. I'm like, okay, 
It's going to happen. It's okay. Just get back on the horse and start riding again. Um, so I would come out of these day one sessions and they'd have like 12 to 15 exercises. And I'm like, I'm me, I'm to my head. I'm going like, they ain't ever going to do it. They're never going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not making them successful because it's too much. They want too much, but their body can't handle it. Right. So I started, you know, obviously after COVID, we went into the six week challenge because that's the fastest way to, for us, for my club to have built cash flow. Mm -hmm. Long-term, short-term, right? Um, so what happened with the coaching thing is, is that it went from basically like 15 exercises or 12 exercises, eight to 12, right? To four, four exercises a day. And now I start seeing these people like all the time, 12 times a month. And, and you, if one of them walks in, I'll go, how's your callus going? And they're going, great. I'm loving it. Let's do a check-in. They're like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I've been working hard. And I'm like, dude, I can see in the numbers, you've been crushing it, right? Out of the three pillars, what do you need the most help with? It always goes back to food usually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's what, that's what our challenge does too. But the accountability is higher with checking in with them. They do a check-in every week on the third day. Um, so those are the two real aspects of, you know, the operations as far as the memberships. And then of course we have the base membership too, where we give them the option to get a high five workout, which is a fitness consultation. I mean, I did one with a gentleman yesterday and he's definitely is a good candidate for one-on-one, -on -one, but Unfortunately, he cares more about his money than his wellness, you know, and like, like Alex said, or, you know, I got a whole page of notes on you now and I'm a fitness coach and I don't stop until you tell me no. And I'm always honest with you. Awesome, man. But yeah, that's kind of how we try to run it. Of course, you know, you're going to upset some people by doing that, but I, when people get upset, I go, I, when I start getting upset, I kind of look at them and go, how's that making you feel? Pretty pissed off. Well, what are you pissed off at, really? It's not me. You know? Yeah. Well, sir, we're nearly out of time here, but the okay. last thing I want to hit you with before we let you go, uh, 11 plus years in the game, seen a lot of things come and go, probably a million lessons that have been learned. But if there was, if there's anything you wish that you would have known sooner, could tell your younger self or could share with our audience is there anything that really stands out uh for you in the in the career as a fitness business owner as a coach yeah i think the biggest two things would be this build a team put trust in the team hold them accountable like really hold them accountable and understand where that accountability comes from because I know that when the owner is away, you know what I mean? I hate to say that, but they don't do the same things. They don't follow the same processes that they would do if they feel like they're being, so to speak, micromanaged, right? I don't want to be a micromanager. I'd rather be a macromanager. But I also know sometimes it's necessary. Give them tasks. Let them see how they do on the task. If they fail on the task, fine. What could they have done better the next time? The next one is really, you know, making sure that we understand first and foremost, it's a business. You know, you got to get to the green because I can't help people if I can't pay the bills. 
there's no way, right? I mean, I don't want to train a 78 year old in a garage. Those would be the two biggest things, build the team and definitely drive the numbers. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, we are now officially out of time. If anybody is listening and they're down in the Claremont area, check out Brad, check out his anytime fitness gym. If you're a, if you're a badass trainer and you want to go work for a guy with the system who wants to help you change people's lives, check in with Brad there. Uh, Brad, I appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me, Dominic. You're, you're welcome, it. sir. And to everyone out there listening, we appreciate you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us to talk about the business is Mr. David Fig of House of Gains coming at you from California. David, what's going on, my man? How are you today? Not too much, but it's been a beautiful morning so far. Beautiful morning, at least on your side of the country. It's about eight degrees where I am. So oh, man, we're, we're, we're nice, beautiful, but we're nice uh, in the 70s today. So we're lucky here. <laughs> yeah, not not quite the same, but I'm jealous. Um, and so, David, I mean, House of Gains, man, tell us about give me give me an idea of, of this business in general. What made you want to start a gym in the craziest time in gym history? Yeah, this is it's an it's a crazy time we're in. Uh, so we opened up actually four months prior to COVID, or four and a half five months. So like we opened up in October uh, the year prior, twenty nineteen. Um, I was uh, twenty one, I think, at the time, twenty or twenty one. So we started the, the opening the gym process when I was nineteen. Um, and so we, it was my wife and I, well, at the time, um, we weren't even engaged. We've been together for almost 10 years. And so we were, we, we went to 24 hour fitness. We went to LA fitness. We went to some of the larger commercial gyms in the area. And, um, to say, to, to put it as simple as possible, we were disappointed with the quality of environment that we were getting. So, yeah. um, I, I feel like this was a time where, um, where some of the niche gyms were really starting to come into play. I'd see pictures of like self-made training facility or like zoo culture and, and I would see these facilities. I'm like, dude, like we don't have anything like that here. Like our environment's terrible. The maintenance is terrible. The employees weren't that great. So I'm like, let's, um, 
I like business. I didn't want to sit behind a desk for the, in my entire life uh, in terms of like a cubicle. Um, I was like, we got to figure something out. So um, she's a psychologist, but I was like, I'm going to open a gym. And she was like, you're 19. I'm like, I don't care. So uh, we we made it happen one way or another. And so um, our facility is a membership-based gym. So we're not like a small personal training. We don't do group yep. classes. Um, just straight up, you pay a membership fee and then you get to use the gym, enjoy the environment as much as you want. Um, and then we're 24-hour access as well, which is great. So yeah, that's kind of the backstory about us, man. It's just kind of like most successful businesses, they find something they don't like and they learn how to fix it. So yeah. That seems to be how a whole lot of us made it into the fitness industry is they had a shitty experience. They had a a shitty boss. They had something along the way that pissed them off enough to say, I can do this better. And here we are a handful of years later. Now you guys over two years now in business, how have things been for you? Have we grown since opening? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man. So we actually had uh, one thing my dad taught me um, is he was really good at financial plans. He worked for uh, our city for 20 something years. And so he was like, you need to be realistic as possible. Like you need to be realistic on how much you think you're going to make, how many members you're going to have before you start this thing. So man, we had it planned out that we would have, I think a max in our five-year lease. I was thinking, okay, if we had 400 to 500 members, like 450 members, we'd be solid. Like if we had 400 members in a five-year growth period, I think that we can make this business work. Um, and then uh, when we opened up, we we were very, very reasonable with how much we thought we were going to sign up. I'm like, okay, let's just set a goal for 25 members a month. Sure enough, first month we had 50, the next month we had 30 something, and then it basically stayed on track. And so we were ahead of, we were ahead of our schedule about a month ahead of everything, which is cool. Um, fast forward four months later, bam, COVID smacked us in the face, just like every other gym you and everyone else, bro. Yeah, it was, it was difficult, dude. So, uh, and then we reopened a little bit earlier than some other facilities only because there were other facilities in our area that were opening. And so we saw this as like, Hey, this is like a, like a fight or flight. Like you have to just fight or you're, you're not going to make it. You have to run, get rid of the business because, uh, members were flocking to whoever was open. So uh, we opened up within three days. I think we, so we closed down for COVID. We had 189 members. We reopened and within three days of reopening, we had 500 members. So it was insane to say the least. Um, We put a, we put a hold on memberships. We're like, we can't, we can't take in any members because we hadn't learned supply issues we didn't understand like what uh what the maintenance costs were going to be on a lot of things because we were getting used so much like and then covid supply chain issues you couldn't even get paper towels couldn't get antibacterial stuff so either way we put a hold on memberships for about six months um and then we restarted selling them at the end of 2020 um fast forward to where we're at now we have uh, about 800 members now so um each year to answer the question right things have grown they have certainly surpassed expectations and so tell us a little bit about how that happened right of course you mentioned covid being a real real factor in there and people simply going to you because you've been open but people in this type of gym model will leave at a moment's notice and go to another gym. so you've kept these members as well that's that's the real kicker here but First and foremost, man, walk us through kind of kind of the marketing. How have we been able to even get the word out that this gym exists so that people can find it? 
you know, man, I'm, I'm a really big believer um, in just organic, uh, growing your, your uh, membership base organically. So we've never spent a dollar on ad revenue um, or on ad spend. I think I spent $20 the first month we opened up two years ago. And I was like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, so we don't spend any money on advertising. Um, we don't do any local advertising through paper, through mail, through email. Um, we are 100% organic word of mouth. Um, and so I think that what's worked well for us is we provide just a different customer experience um, and we take the time to uh, give back to our members whenever we can. We reinvest in the business and we make we make it apparent. It's very it's very important is to make it apparent that you're reinvesting in the business, not just like, you know, fixing a toilet. You know, it's, it's cool. You did that, but your members don't really see it happening. I mean, you need to make it apparent to them that you're, re you're reinvesting in the business and you're, you're giving them value. Um, so I think that that's really worked for us more than anything else is just we provide uh, it's a good value exchange. Our members feel that the money that they're paying is not nearly what they're is, is they're receiving way more than what they're paying, yeah. uh, which is basically but that's the goal of the business is how do you perceive value? Um, how do you how do you show perceived value to a customer? So um, yeah. that's really what works well for us. And, and so these people have, have stuck around, but at least from a marketing sense, one thing that you touched on that I would like to dig deeper in a little bit is you said, hey, we, we dabbled in some paid advertising, but then got away from it, right? Is that? That was inexperience. It was, I was, I mean, I was 21. Like I didn't know anything. Like if, if we, if we were to run, like we haven't run a membership sale, we haven't run a sale in two years. Like we don't run sales. Okay. Um, uh, there's, there's, there, when it comes time to the point where we have to, if we go, to, we want to go to a bigger location. I think that ad spend is really important, and I know that we would for sure do that. Um, it's just for our model, our month over month growth, and whatever it is, and our our churn every month. Um, if the word of mouth is working, man, it's keeping our culture the way that it is. I just, I don't see any reason why we should do it. Um, yeah. I think that's an incredibly insightful and important point to make. Is like the the word of mouth client the referral client is probably a higher quality client in the long exactly 100 percent. they're accountable to whoever referred them there to yep. be a decent person to pay their membership on time to not trash the facility and at the same time it's free it doesn't cost the business anything the trouble is i mean businesses in our industry historically hit a ceiling hit a plateau at some point at some point and then things kind of stagger out it doesn't sound like you've made it there yet but i think the the overall mentality and the mindset that you have about it is like we're not against it like yeah. at some point we know that this is going to be a reality but let's yeah. ride this wave as long as we can until we get to that point does that sound about right? Yeah, that's that's basically about it. And and I think that there's there's other avenues that we haven't even implemented yet, like personal training, or uh, we're going to implement a referral system soon where members can get discounts for refer referring other members. Or, um, we, like I said, we haven't run a membership sale in two years, um, mainly because our gym is it's so packed in terms of square footage. It gets so busy sometimes that I feel like if we, if, if we ran a sale and we, and I know that we could put on 30 or 40 new members, I just don't think that it's the right thing to do yet until we get some new equipment. That's going to free up the bottlenecks that we have in our facility. Um, yeah. Like we're getting, we're getting doubling our squat racks in the next two weeks. So it, and that's going to free up a bottleneck, which I would feel more comfortable running a membership sale. So I'm super like, I ad spend is great. Um, 
uh, like paper, paper spent like uh, mail and email and uh, hard, hard uh, marketing. I think those are great advertisements. I just don't think that it's for our business right now in this moment, just not right. Yeah. And, and so tell us about those kind of what we refer to as like cross sells or upsells here. The idea of PT, the idea of nutrition coaching, the idea of whatever additional supplement sales, whatever additional things that we can kind of bolt on to the standard open gym model. Yeah. You mentioned that we haven't yet done those. Is that something you guys are looking into in the future? Yeah. If we get to a bigger facility, uh, like that's, that's the no, that's a no brainer for sure. Like we would definitely have one-on-one personal training. We do sell supplements already. Um, I actually need to go re up on them today because our members buy a lot of them. Um, it's not like, uh, we don't send emails out. Hey guys, don't forget. We got this new product. It's just like, we literally have it at the front desk. They see what my wife and I take and they see what other people take. And they're like, we want that. Um, which is cool. It's once again, it's organic. It's hundred percent organic. That's how we built our relationships, but we definitely would, uh, would increase, we would upsell to personal training when we get a bigger facility. That's a no brainer for us. Yeah. Well, this is David, an, an interesting problem to have. Right? It is. Yeah. We're, 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 we're t- you and I are looking at this as a negative, but like the reality is we're, overstretched because people want this like because they want to join the gym because they want these supplements and we're not able to keep up with demand that's a far better problem to have than the other end of the spectrum and my wife and i are very grateful for that we know that yeah and so talk to us i mean kind of on a overseer of this whole thing you as the ceo in the seat that you sit what kind of a staff is required to maintain this? Do you guys have dedicated sales staff? Do we have you know in specific roles or is this you wearing a lot of hats right now? Do you, I mean, like I, I don't, my wife knows, I don't like to, to pat myself on the shoulder because I still don't feel like I do enough. Um, but dude, I, I work. And when I tell people this, when they own a gym, they kind of, it's kind of hard to believe. They don't really understand until they do it. Um, I work anywhere between, it could be from 80 hours to 120. I was working 120 hours for six months straight. Like, I mean, I'm talking about open the gym at 5:30 in the morning, close at 12:30 in the morning, like 20 hour days easily. Uh, and then now um, we've been blessed enough with, with the, the amount of members that we have, I was able to hire my wife on full-time. So like she's at the gym right now. So now she works at the gym full-time, she gets paid full-time. Um, and then it's only her and I, and then my mom's there. She bakes cookies for everybody. Everyone loves her. And, and she knows <laughs> It's, it's, it, she's an integral part of the business because it's, it's, um, she, she re- provides a different type of rapport than what the, than what my wife and I do. And so, right. um, I think really investing in the people who are at the face of your business, my wife, my mom, getting them comfortable with, they make deals all the time. Hey, I'm gonna hook you up a free initiation or whatever it is. I think that that's really important. Um, and so it's just her, it's, it's my wife and I basically, my mom hangs out once in a while. So yeah, that's basically yeah. about it. And then I, I work there more than anybody else, but yeah. Yeah. Well, 80 to 120 hours a week. Obviously you work yeah. there more than anybody else. Right now it's not too bad. Like right now I'm only working like about 90 hours right now. And so like, it's, it. I know it sounds a lot, but like to me, 90 hours, I'm like, eh, not whatever. Well, it's not that big you're of an entrepreneur. That's sort exactly, of you know, you you it. exactly. Yeah. And so Walk us into the future then, David. I assume that this isn't something, I mean, 21 years old, you can handle 90 hour weeks. I assume that that's not something you want to continue forever. And so what's the trajectory of this business? What do you guys have for a vision for yourselves? 
You know what? That's that's just something that my wife and I have been struggling with the last couple of months is what how we want to grow our business and what place that we want to have in it. Um, obviously, we're 23 now and we just got married last year. And so it's kind of like, what you know, what do we what do we want in terms of our relationship? What do we want in terms of our business and how do we want to grow this together? Um, but I think I think the biggest thing, man, is that I I'm a little bit different than most people because a lot of people say they want to grow a business so they can exit the business or they can at least separate themselves from being there all the time. Um, but I enjoy it. I love talking to people. I worked, I was a retail manager before this. I love talking to people, working with people. So um, I don't ever see myself leaving the facility um, unless, unless of course, like Alex says in some of his, uh, his, his personal podcasts is that I have to develop skills to learn how to separate myself so I can lead other people in the business. So right. Um, if I, if I have to grow our facility and we have to hire employees and then I have to step back just a little bit so I can learn how to manage personalities and not the business, um, then that's what I'll do. You know, it's, it's one of those like adaptations. I just have to learn how to adapt with that, but we would like to move to a bigger facility, maybe hire an employee or two. Um, and then at that point, we, I think our goals, we don't want to make them too far out. Um, but we'll see what would happen when we get to a bigger facility. Yeah. I think it's it's a difficult time in our industry for making any kind of long-term plans because yeah. everybody's just kind of sitting on the edge of their seat yeah hoping but, but I, just having that vision in general i mean you talk about sort of the natural trajectory of business owners is doing everything you're the guy that opens the doors you're the guy that cleans the toilets you're the guy that sells the memberships you're the yep. guy that closes at the end of the day at a certain point it, it comes where nah, I don't really like cleaning toilets that much. Maybe I'll bring on somebody, maybe I'll bring on a salesperson, maybe I'll bring on X, Y, and Z, but yeah. it's, it's always a fascinating conversation because when is the right time? Who do we bring in? It's all of these kind of unknown variables. And yeah. for you guys hanging on and doing it yourself as long as you can has probably fueled a lot of the growth. We don't have payroll really. You guys are paying yeah. yourselves, but yeah, and, and our payrolls, we it's very minimal. We uh, we stayed living with my mom, um, and so it's we try to minimize our in the earlier stages of our business. I consider this early. We've been open for two and a half years, but I still consider it early. We try minimizing as many expenses as we have personally, so that we can reinvest yeah. into the business. Um, and we have, you know, we have a good a good amount of pennies saved up for the business. So when it comes time to to buy a building or whatever it is, I think we're ready for that. Um, but I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong is that they expect and, you know, after the first six months or a year or whatever it is that they wouldn't be doing the same things we're doing. And we embrace it. We clean the toilets. I've learned how to like all of our social media, even like the super nice videos, like I edit and I do all those videos. Um, I maintenance the ACs on top of the roof. I do. I basically do everything. Yeah. Um, and well, so that allows you guys to really, really reinvest when you yeah. talked earlier about building that membership experience. Yeah everything goes back into the business and really solidifies that foundation. Now you guys approach kind of the next step when you talk about bigger location, buying a building and you're far better prepared for it than if you had all of these other moving parts. And so it's definitely exciting to see. I can imagine that going into the facility for you day after day. I mean, you can, you can feel the the passion and the conviction in your voice when you talk about these things. And so what's, what's the, what's the ultimate vision of this for you? Take us way into the future, man. What do you, what do you think is, is in the books for you? 
Well, you know, I mean, if, if it was uh, um, <clears throat> looking like, you know, a decade or two down the line, I mean, we would like to own, uh, we would like to, to make the business to the point where we have multiple locations or a lot more than multiple locations um, and really be able to provide, provide the amount of service that we have um, to anywhere, anyone, anywhere, because we travel, we just got back from Sacramento where my dad lives and there's not a gym out there that we like, like there's nothing out there. And we talk to people at the gyms cause we're sociable people and they tell us like, dude, there's nothing out here. Like it's all, you know, big box facilities. I don't care about their member, you know, basically the same problems that we that we ran into when we opened our facility. So I think that there is a need for it. Um, but I would, I would like to make them franchises. I want to be able to, I want to be able to give someone the experience that my members have because someone owns the you know house of gains la and and they take care of their members the way that we do give them a stake stake in the business to the point where that they can provide and a good experience the way that we're providing for our members here yeah i mean man i think that's probably a pretty good place to start to wrap this up and and one that i think a lot of gym owners aspire to be in multiple location successful businesses but making that leap from one to, to two to three to five is that's where the real challenge is coming. So I'm sure you'll face it head on and, and figure it out when we get there. Now, David, where can people find out a little bit more about House of Gains? Well, you know, our biggest platform is Instagram. So it's just House of Gains Gym, no underscores, no periods, just straight House of Gains Gym. Um, that has our entire social media page, which we, <coughs> excuse me, are on daily. That's where we have our biggest platform. Um, my personal page is just David Fig, my first and last name, um, which is a little bit more personal stuff. But um, our business stuff, we have all of our videos, all of our members. We repost everything's on our, our House of Gains Gym page on Instagram. Simple and easy. Well, man, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting this conversation and seeing kind of your mindset, your your motivation for this business. I can't thank you enough for your contribution to the podcast today. And we'll have to check in with you because it seems like things are really moving and changing month to yeah. month for you. So yeah. we'll have to get you back on down the road. I'm super down for that. Thank you guys for hosting me, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. And so to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.